0: Hi, thank you for joining me today. I am recording this early in the morning, so you may literally hear birds chirping throughout this. We'll see how it goes. I needed to keep things short and simple this week because I'm spending a lot of hours every day doing a final edit of my Reflections of Hope book, which is a year's worth of daily readings for bereaved parents, We're aiming to have it released on Becca's birthday, which is April 13th, but the edits are taking a lot longer than I thought they would, these final edits. I have the book in my hands, and I'm going through it page by page, word by word. And there are some other unexpected changes that we're going to have to take care of before the final printing and being released. So we'll see if it comes out on the 13th or not, but we're still aiming for that. So anyway, today I am going to run through some of the comparisons Of what grief is like for us after our child passes from this earth. Sometimes it just helps us to feel better when we hear something we can relate it to. And it also gives us some ways to describe it to a friend or a family member that we feel like could use maybe a better understanding of what we're dealing with, not even in just the first year or two, but unfortunately for the rest of our time here. So let's go ahead and get started with this. There are many ways to illustrate what our grief is like after the death of our child. And here are the four that I guess I seem to relate to the most. And the first one most of you have probably heard me talk about. You may have heard it a lot, but the loss of our child is like having an amputation. Part of our very being has been cut off from us, and we have to figure out how to live with that piece of us missing. Now, I had a front row seat to this since our daughter, Becca, had her little left leg amputated when she was only three years old due to cancer in her bone called osteogenic sarcoma. You can read her story, the full story, on our website. Now, she recovered, what you would say recovered, but obviously her life was never the same because she only had one leg. There was obviously a major scar because she only had a stump instead of her leg. She did not look like other kids. She couldn't run and keep up with them. She had limitations every day. She woke up with an in-your-face reminder that her leg was missing and every day, sometimes multiple times a day, she had to be determined not to let it stop her from still having a fulfilling life. Now, when I share this personally, like when I'm out speaking and ministering, I share a lot more detail about this, and I even have Becca's little leg. It's one of those things I saved. What do you do with a prosthetic leg, this little tiny three-year-old leg? it just got put away. And so I have that now as an illustration that I travel with as an actual visual of what this is like for us. With Becca gone now, there are constant painful reminders of that fact. I don't look like other parents. I have a hard time keeping up with life sometimes because of my limitations. Every day I have to be determined not to let her death keep me from having a fulfilling life with those who are still here and in my life. If my three-year-old daughter could figure out how to live with a piece of her very being cut off, then so can I. She was the greatest example of anyone I know who persevered and did not let something like an amputated leg keep her from still having a wonderful life for the 29 years she had here on this earth were there moments of hard sorrow and difficult things yes oh yes but she did not let that stop her from figuring out how to have a fulfilling and meaningful life here's another one grief is like carrying a large sharp rock in your pants pocket At first, you're very aware of it as it bangs against your leg with every movement. It might even cut and bruise your leg, making it more painful. After a while, you're aware it's there, but it doesn't bother you as much. Then you move on to times where you consciously forget the rock is there as you go throughout your day. But whenever you reach into your pocket to grab something else, as your hand feels the rock, you remember. Sometimes you bump up hard against something and that rock cuts or bruises you again and you're back to walking tenderly waiting for it to heal. There are times you'll put your hand in your pocket because you want or need to feel the rock. You want or need to feel that rock. And some of those times you will even pull the rock out to hold it and look at it. But it eventually goes back into your pocket. And even if we change pants... The rock will always go with us into the new pocket. Here's a third one. Grief is like the ocean waves. You feel like you've been shipwrecked and there are huge waves crashing over you with no mercy. Every time you try to come up for air, all you can do is get a quick gasp, only to be tumbled around by another wave crashing over you. When you think you can't take any more, multiple times, over and over again, the waves finally start coming further apart. At least now you can catch your breath. Eventually, the waves aren't as big, making it easier to get back to the top when you get thrown back under them again. Calm waters do eventually come, but there will still be waves and storms that sends you swirling, being thrown underneath the water again, leaving you gasping for air. But each time, you do get better at maneuvering through those crashing waves. And you also know that they will stop at some point and the calm waters will come back again. The fourth one is that grief is like carrying a backpack of rocks up a mountain, a steep mountain. At first, you you can't even move under the weight as you look to where you need to go, believing it is impossible for me to take this and carry this up the mountain. With much effort and struggle, you begin to slowly inch your way forward. Now, After you struggle and you keep going, you're able to stand up and take a few steps Even though you often stumble backward and you fall down under the weight of the backpack, as you continue to struggle, eventually you discover to your shock that you are slowly walking up the mountain. It's hard, but you're doing it. The backpack of rocks becomes easier to carry as your strength builds. However, there are times you need to take a rest. Does it sound like we're going up the mountain? I'm hearing the birds. Do you hear them? Some of the rests are relatively short. Others take a lot longer because you're once again feeling the full weight of what you're carrying and it gets too hard to walk. The longer you climb though, the easier it gets and the fewer rests you seem to need. But you will always continue to have the backpack of rocks to carry and have the effects of it in your life, climbing up that mountain. Now, I have also learned that there are no stages of grief. If you've heard that term, going through the stages of grief after a deep loss, like the death of one's child. Now, just to let you know, the five stages of grief were presented by, her name is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she presented this as something for those who are terminally ill These are the stages that a person works through when they receive the news that they are going to die. There's nothing else that can be done. These five stages of grief were not observed for those who are still here after the loss and grieving our loss of someone we love. So with that, I have one more analogy here our grief is like a very tangled up ball of yarn. It's not in stages and each one of us has our own individual mess of yarn to untangle. I have knit since junior high. I learned in 4-H and I have dealt with more tangled balls and skeins of yarn than I could ever count. There have been times that the tangle, especially in those earlier years when I was learning how to knit and just getting into it, it was so frustrating that I would quit trying and I would I would just have to put that yarn away. I just, I couldn't get it untangled. And there have also been times I have literally cut the yarn into pieces trying to get it untangled. I gave up and it's like, forget it. I'm just cutting this knot out or I'm cutting this tangle out. And of course that made for a few ends to have to be knit together. It wasn't one long piece anymore. But eventually, whatever I was working on was finished, and it brought joy to whomever it was intended for, including myself. One thing I have noticed is that over the years, I have gotten better at untangling the messes of the yarn, and I don't have to cut it into pieces anymore. Grief is hard work. You know that. Fortunately, though, it does get easier, even though we will deal with the pain of our loss for the rest of our time here on earth. If you feel like you have not gotten very far and that you should be further along than you are right now, don't allow yourself to get discouraged. You will get there as you continue this unwanted journey, one step or one tangled mess at a time. Whatever you do, though, do not compare where you are to anyone else. Especially, don't listen to those who have never experienced the death of their child who are telling you where they think you should be by now. You are untangling your own messy ball of grief, and it is unlike anyone else's. There is no right or wrong way, and there are no time limits for this. Now, the next thing that I'm going to share here is something I have shared on a podcast before, but I think it's worth sharing again for those of you who may not have heard it or or as a reminder that can bring some relief to some of our struggles, and that is that our grief is a full-time job. For those first few months, up to two or three years, grieving the death of our child is like having a full-time job with overtime it consumes us. It takes everything we have, whether we want it to or not. It drains us, leaving us to feel like there is just no way we can go on. Eventually, our grief becomes more like a full-time job, thankfully, without all the constant overtime. It usually sneaks up on us around maybe three to five years into our grief, and we don't even realize it at first. Grieving the death of our child is still the greatest part of our life when it's full-time. It still drains us and exhausts us, but now we have times of reprieve. We find that we can go out and do something without feeling like we're on the verge of falling apart. We can join maybe certain activities or family events, even if we're not ready to stay the whole time, and we can even have some smiles and we can laugh Without feeling guilty, believe it or not, we can watch a movie and actually enjoy the movie instead of just staring at the screen oblivious to what we're watching. We do clock back in to our full-time job of grieving afterwards, after these reprieves, but it's not all consuming anymore, although we can still slip into overtime for a few days, even weeks, here and there. Then after several years of really hard work, we find ourselves able to go down to part-time grief. However, we're always on call. Because our grief is like an undercurrent that's ready to surface in a split second. Sometimes we know there's something coming that's going to be a trigger, and other times it's like we get slapped with it out of the blue with no warning in a place or a time when we least expect it. And when that happens, we clock back in to increase our grief work time. Sometimes we're clocked in for a few minutes or a few hours, sometimes it's for a day or two, and there are occasional times when When we go back to full time, maybe like when our child should be graduating with their classmates or a wedding happens that our child would have been in. And yes, there will still be rare times when we go back to overtime, maybe like the death of another close family member that triggers our deep grief of missing our child. Several years after Becca died, I found myself sobbing and wailing at my dad's casket. Now, I didn't even cry like that at Becca's funeral, but when I saw the boutonniere from her wedding pinned to my dad's suit, I just totally lost it. I even knew the flowers were going to be pinned to him, but it affected me so much more deeply than I anticipated. I was out of sorts for weeks having a hard time focusing and functioning. And then seven weeks later, my mother-in-law, whom I loved dearly, passed away in her sleep, and that didn't help at all. And also in there, we had a pregnancy loss of a grandchild. That was a rough summer for me. I am so glad to be back to part-time right now, but I do know there will continue to be times when it goes back to full-time for a while. And unfortunately, also over time, one of those times that happened was fairly recently within the last year, almost a year ago. Well, it probably was a year ago when it started because Becca would have been 40. She died when she was 29. It was 11 years, but from age 29 to 40, oh, it just sounded like it, she had been gone forever. And it really hit me hard. Thankfully though, these grieving, going back to full-time or even overtime is very rare at this point. So I want to ask you, where are you right now? Are you on overtime or full-time or part-time grief? It's all hard work, but the overtime is just outright brutal And if that's where you are, I want to ask you, what can you do to give yourself a short break now and then? I promise you, give yourself a break. The grief will be there when you come back. You know, we can't stop the overtime until that work project is complete, but we can and we need to take as many breaks as possible, no matter how short they are. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need and when you need it. So if you feel a prompting to do something that does not make a lot of sense, obviously nothing harmful, then just follow through on those promptings because you just never know how it will lift your load just a bit or it will pull you up for the breath out of the waves or help you take another step up that mountain. So I hope this has been helpful to you for yourself and maybe to give you an explanation to help someone else understand it. What I am going to share for this segment of the podcast today has nothing to do with GPS Hope directly, but it is something I truly believe God has given me to do that helps give me an occasional break and gets my mind off the continual ministry of grief, just like I was talking about. We need to have these breaks in our grief, and since Dave and I do this full-time, and I'm honored, and I'm blessed to be a part of your grief journey, but I need breaks once in a while from this, right? Most of you know that Dave and I live full-time in a motorhome we call the Hope Mobile. Now, two years ago, we added my daughter's cat. She couldn't have this cat with her when she moved, and so we took the cat. Her name is Savannah, And she travels the nation with us, and it has been so much fun to have her with us. Last summer, my creative granddaughter, she was nine years old at the time, started making up stories about Savannah. And now if you've ever been in a session with me or heard me speak, I've talked about being in a place of rest. We've put up as a PowerPoint various pictures of my granddaughter with her hands behind her head, starting as an infant And I've had you go into what I called a Lena position, a place of rest. Well, that is this granddaughter that I'm talking about. Anyway, these stories were so good that I got out my computer and we started writing them down together. And I decided we should get them published as a children's book series called the Savannah's Adventure Series. Now, before I go any further, let me say that I know some of you have lost a young child. And I am so very sorry. And I do not mean to be a trigger for your pain or make you feel your loss in a disrespectful or insensitive way. And I just want to acknowledge that before I continue sharing this project with you. So this first book that Elena and I are writing together is called Savannah Needs a Home. And we're in the process of taking pre-orders for this book to help us pay for the illustrator and for the formatting and the printing of the book. And I just want to ask you, would you consider helping us out by going to our campaign page to pre-order a book and watch the video I made with my granddaughter, Elena. She is so cute and so excited. It's worth it just to go see the video and take a look at what's there. And help us out by choosing a level of fun gifts as our way of saying thank you for pre-ordering. This is a Kickstarter campaign, which is kind of like a GoFundMe, but it's for people who are trying to kickstart a project. So you'll need to start an account with them. Sorry, I know that isn't always a favorite thing to do, but I would really appreciate that. The thank yous, the rewards for pre-ordering are things like a triple signed copy of the book by Elena, myself, and Savannah. Putting in her paw print, or having a birthday postcard with Savannah's picture and a signature, her paw print, sent from wherever we are in our travels. There are all kinds of things like that as a way of saying thank you for pre-ordering this book. Now this campaign only has a few days left. It's less than one week. It ends on the 28th, so you'll need to check it out right away. Savannah also has a web page and a Facebook page. The webpage is savannasadventures.com, and the Facebook page, just look up Savannah's Adventures. Now, Savannah only has one N, -N S-A-V-A-N-A-H. And to go to Kickstarter, just go to kickstarter.com, and when you get there in the search bar, type Savannah Needs a Home. That's the name of the book, one N in Savannah again. Now, I'm gonna put a link to all three of these, in the show notes, and I'll also put a link to the video with Elena and I talking about it because it is so cute. In the show notes, now, like I said, I know this book has nothing directly to do with GPS Hope, but it is something personal to me, and like I said, it's something fun I get to do on the side that I wanted to let you know about. So, I hope you don't mind my taking a few minutes to share this with you here in the podcast. The last thing on this, would you please use the social media buttons that are on the Kickstarter page and share it with your family and friends and encourage them to pre-order a book as well. I would really appreciate that even more than I can say and so would Elena making her an author at 10 years old. Let's go ahead and get to this week's birthday segment. As I go into the birthday segment, I just want to say that I know several of you have told me that you always listen all the way through this segment as a sacred way to honor the children of other listeners. And that really touches my heart, and I just want to say thank you for that. Today, there is only one birthday to share. Daniel Wilson was born on March 21st and is forever. 30. We celebrate with his family the day Daniel came into the world. It will always be a special and important day. If you would like to have your child's birthday shared with the other listeners, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that information including the pronunciation, if their name sometimes gets mispronounced because I do want to say it correctly for you. Just submit that. And the week of your son or daughter's birthday, I will announce it to our listeners. Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week. As I said at the beginning of this episode, I have been working on the final edits for my Reflections of Hope book, And I'm so excited that we are this close to having it finished and being able to get it into your hands. Now, as I was editing, I discovered I used the Tangled Ball of Yarn comparison four different times in the book. So I replaced two of those with something I had never thought of before. And I want to end today's time together with these other two very short comparisons. After the death of our child... Our grief is like being on a roller coaster in the dark, but it doesn't just go the big ups and downs and around the corners, but it also goes upside down and backward. Our emotions are all over the place and we never know what's coming next in the dark. The last one I'm going to leave you with is that our grief is like being the pinball, being thrown around in a game you never wanted to play, changing to extremes in an instant. We're being hit around all over the place, just like we're ping, ping, ping everywhere, right? Having multiple opposite feelings going on inside of us at the same time with the lights flashing and bells ringing as we're being thrown around. Do you have a way that you like to describe your grief or maybe something to compare your grief to that wasn't mentioned today? Do any of these comparisons or illustrations that I've talked about resonate with you? I would love to hear from you, either one of these. There is a place for comments where the podcast is posted on the GPS Hope website. Now, that's true of every podcast where you can go on and share your thoughts about this. So I would love to hear from you on this episode. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes where you can go to put the comments. Here is just a thought. You may want to share this episode with family or friends so that others around you can get a better understanding of what our grief is like. And please don't forget to check out the book on Kickstarter that I'm writing with my granddaughter Elena called Savannah Needs a Home. And take a look at the website and find the Savannah's Adventures Facebook page to follow Savannah before I wrap this up, I do want to remind you that when Becca died, I wanted God to just kill me and get me out of here. I could not ever imagine wanting to live again without Becca here with me. But as you can see by what I've shared about this project with my granddaughter, that I have discovered life can be good again. I know some of you may have lost the chance to have grandchildren. And if that's the case, I am so very sorry. But let me say, that's not the only reason that life is worth living again. I know many bereavers who have unfortunately lost their only child or some who have lost all their children before having grandchildren. And they will agree with me that they have figured out and learned that life can be good again, and life is worth living again. Now, I believe with all my heart that God has something for you. It isn't just me. He has a reason for you to still live, something with meaning and purpose, something that is beyond what you can comprehend right now, no matter where you are in your grief journey. If you're at the very beginning and all you can see is that darkness and the pain, you can't see your way out, I promise you, there is a way out and there is something for you that's beyond what you can comprehend right now. So remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.